What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. In a world full of bizarre events, unsolved mysteries, and a billion stories from all corners of the globe, some news gets lost in the shuffle. This is your gateway to the stories on the fringe of the mainstream map. These are your dispatches in the dark. I'm Ben Bolin, and this is the Strange News Daily. Our first story today, what would happen if the sun just disappeared? It sounds like the setup for a science fiction story that would quickly and inevitably turn dark and dystopian, but it appears this is exactly what has happened to a luminous blue variable star in a constellation called Aquarius, about 75 million light years away from our own solar system. Back in 2019, scientists witnessed a massive star, one 2.5 million times brighter than our own sun, disappear without a trace. And this week, in a paper published in the journal Monthly Notices of the Royal Astronomical Society, a team of astrophysicists are plain detective, attempting to solve the case of this disappearing star by providing several possible explanations. And out of all of these, there's one twist ending that stands out. It's possible, the researchers write, that this massive star died and collapsed into a black hole somehow without undergoing a supernova explosion first. If this is the case, it would be an unprecedented act of, well, stellar suicide. Jose Gro, an astronomer at Trinity College Dublin and a co-author of a new paper on the star, says in an earlier statement, quote, We may have detected one of the most massive stars of the local universe going gently into the night. I have to say, Jose, I massively appreciate the Dylan Thomas reference there. This star in question was pretty well researched between 2001 and 2011, 
At the time, it was massive, but it was a star that was also approaching the end of its life, which meant it was prone to unpredictable variations in brightness. Stars like this are profoundly rare. So far, we've only confirmed a handful in the entire observable universe. So in 2019, Allen and his colleagues hoped to use the European Southern Observatory's Very Large Telescope to learn more about this distant star's evolution. And when they looked for it, they discovered that the star had seemingly vanished completely from its host galaxy. Why is this weird? Well, normally, when a star that much larger than our sun reaches the end of its life, it erupts in a gigantic supernova explosion. As you might imagine from the name supernova, these explosions are pretty easy to spot. They stain the sky around them with ionized gas and powerful radiation for light years in every direction. And after the blast, there's a dense core of leftover stellar material. It can collapse into a black hole or collapse into a neutron star. These are two of space's most massive and most mysterious objects. But this missing star left none of that. No radiation, no stain in the sky. Like a murder victim in some sort of cosmic film noir, the star simply disappeared. To investigate the mystery, the researchers looked back at earlier observations of the star taken between that period of study. They specifically looked at times between 2002 and 2009. And what they found was the star had been undergoing a strong outburst period during this time, meaning it was shooting out enormous amounts of stellar material at a much faster rate than usual. This sort of jettison action isn't necessarily extraordinary. These sorts of stars can experience numerous outbursts like this in their old age. The researchers say that this can cause these stars to glow much more brightly than usual. So this explains why the star appeared so bright during those early observations. But it does not explain what happened after the outburst. To continue the murder analogy, we still haven't found the cause of death. One explanation could be that the star dimmed at a significant rate after its outburst and that it was obscured by some thick veil of cosmic dust. If that's the case, then the star may still be around somehow and it could reappear in future observations. But again, the weirder and much more exciting explanation is that the star never recovered from its outburst and instead somehow collapsed into a black hole without ever going supernova. This would be an extraordinarily rare event. Given the star's estimated mass before its disappearance, it could have created a black hole measuring 85 to 120 times the mass of Earth's sun. And at this point, we have no idea how that could have happened. Our second story today is for the language nerds in the crowd. Why are some words easier to remember than others? Well, think about it. Tens of thousands of words are crammed inside our brains, and they're just waiting for us to call upon them whenever we need to use them in a sentence. 
In a recent study of epilepsy patients and healthy volunteers, the National Institutes of Health researchers found that our brains may withdraw some common words like door or pig or tank much more often and easily than others like cat, street, or stare. By combining memory tests, brainwave recordings, and surveys of billions of words published in books, news articles, and encyclopedia pages, the researchers here discovered how our brains may recall words, but also memories of our past experiences. PhD Weishin Zhe, also known as Zane, is a cognitive psychologist and postdoctoral fellow at the NIH's National Institute of Neurological Disorders and Strokes, or NINDS. Shea led the study, which was recently published in Nature, Human Behavior, and had this to say, quote, We found that some words are much more memorable than others. Our results support the idea that our memories are wired into neural networks and that our brains search for these memories just the way search engines track down information on the Internet. Shea continues saying, We hope that these results can be used as a roadmap to evaluate the health of a person's memory and their brain. Dr. Shea and his colleagues first spotted these words when they reanalyzed the results of memory tests taken by 30 epilepsy patients who were part of an earlier clinical trial. This earlier clinical trial attempts to help patients whose seizures cannot be controlled by drugs. This is otherwise known as intractable epilepsy. During the observation period in this study, patients would spend several days at the clinical center of the NIH with surgically implanted electrodes designed to detect changes in brain activity. The goal of this study was to find and eliminate the source of harmful, debilitating seizures, but it also provided a rare opportunity to record neural activity that controls other aspects of our lives. With the help of these patient volunteers, the researchers were able to uncover some of the actual blueprints behind our memories. These memory tests were originally designed to assess what's called an episodic memory, or the associations. In other words, the journalistic details, the who, what, where, and how that we make with our past experiences. Alzheimer's disease and other types of dementia can too often destroy the brain's capacity to make these memories. So patients were shown pairs of words, like hand or apple, from a list of 300 common nouns. In other words, nothing too complicated or obscure. And a few seconds later, they were shown one of the words, for instance, hand, and then they were asked to remember the word that went along with it. In this example, it would be apple. The researchers used these tests to study how neural circuits in the brain store and replay memories. So back to Dr. Shea. When he and his colleagues re-examined these results, they found that patients successfully recalled some words more often than others, regardless of the way the words were paired. In fact, of the 300 words used, the top five were on average about seven times more likely to be recalled than the bottom five. At first, researchers from the other study were surprised, maybe a bit skeptical, For years, you see, scientists thought that the successful recall of a paired word meant that the person's brain made a strong connection between the two words during learning, and that a similar process could explain why some experiences are more memorable than others. Also, it was hard to explain why words like doll or tank were remembered more often than frequently used words like couch or street. 
But those doubts quickly vanished when the team saw very similar results after 2,623 healthy volunteers took an online version of the word pair test that the team posted on a crowdsourcing website called Amazon Mechanical Turk, which is, we should note, by the way, very interesting on its own. Dr. Shea got the idea for this study at a Christmas party, one that he attended shortly after his arrival at NIH uh, around two years ago. Dr. Shea says, Our memories play a fundamental role in who we are and how our brains work. However, one of the biggest challenges of studying memory is that people often remember the same things in different ways, making it difficult for researchers to compare people's performances on memory tests. For over a century, he continues, researchers have called for unified accounting of this variability. If we could predict what people should remember in advance and understand how our brains do this, then we might be able to develop better ways to evaluate someone's overall brain health. In their paper, his team proposes that the principles from an established theory known as the Search for Associative Memory, or SAM, that one is an inside joke for our research associate Sam Teagarden, This model might help explain the initial findings with epilepsy patients and with healthy controls. Their results suggest that more memorable words are more semantically similar, and they're more often linked to the meanings of other words used in the English language. This means that when the researchers plug semantic similarity data into the computer model they've created, it correctly guessed which words were memorable from patients and the healthy volunteer test. In contrast, this did not happen when they used data on word frequency, or what's known as concreteness. That's the, um, the specificity of a word's definition. That's why a, you know, a word like moth would be more memorable than a word with more abstract meanings like chief. Further results support this idea that more memorable words represent high-traffic hubs in the brain's memory networks. For instance, the epilepsy patients correctly recalled memorable words faster than others. Meanwhile, electrical recordings of their anterior temporal lobes, that's the language center we all carry around in our computers called the brain, this activity showed that these patients' brains replayed the neural signatures behind those words earlier than they played the less memorable ones. Moreover, both patients and healthy volunteers mistakenly called out the more memorable words more frequently than any other words. All in all, these results support previous studies that suggest the brain may visit or pass through highly connected memories, kind of the same way that animals forage for food or a computer searches the internet. We like the way Dr. Xie puts it, saying, You know when you type words into a search engine and it shows you a list of highly relevant guesses? feels like the search engine is reading your mind. Well, our results suggest that the brains of the subjects in this study did something similar when they tried to recall a paired word, and we think that this may happen when we remember many of our past experiences. Our results also suggest that the structure of the English language is stored in everyone's brains, and we hope, one day, it is used to overcome the variability doctors face when trying to evaluate the health of a person's memory and brain. Our third story today takes place in the United Kingdom, where Boris Johnson has pledged to extend the right of Hong Kong citizens to live and work in the UK after accusing China of a clear and serious breach of a treaty with Britain. 
Prime Minister Johnson confirmed Britain would open a pathway to citizenship for Hong Kong British national passport holders following the introduction of China's new and controversial security law. This move could affect nearly 3 million people. The statement came after Hong Kong police made their first arrest under the new law, including one person who allegedly displayed a sign with the Union Jack calling for Hong Kong's independence. This security law makes activities deemed subversive or secessionist punishable by imprisonment. It's seen as targeting anti-government demonstrations that have roiled through Hong Kong for months. Speaking in the House of Commons today, the Prime Minister said the law constitutes a clear and serious breach of the Sino-British Joint Declaration. Referring to the law, the Prime Minister continued, saying, It violates Hong Kong's high degree of autonomy and is in direct conflict with Hong Kong basic law. The law also threatens the freedoms and rights protected by the Joint Declaration. That's the treaty we mentioned earlier. Johnson continues saying, We made clear that if China continued down this path, we would introduce a new route for those with British national overseas status to enter the UK, granting them limited leave to remain with the ability to live and work in the UK and thereafter to apply for citizenship, and that is precisely what we will do now. And earlier, the foreign secretary accused China of a clear and serious violation of the treaty with the imposition of this law. It seems that the British government is largely on the same page about this. The legally binding Sino-British Joint Declaration set out a level of autonomy for Hong Kong that was meant to last at least 50 years. And ahead of the prime minister's statement, the Labor Party's shadow foreign secretary, Lisa Nandy, called on the government to lay out concrete steps to fulfill its commitment to the people of Hong Kong, saying, now is not the moment to look away. That's all for now. We've been asking you to chime in with suggestions for stories you think your fellow listeners might enjoy, to hit us with your best or worst dad jokes, as well as your personal experience with COVID-19, the ongoing protest, or anything else strange and unusual occurring in your neck of the global woods. Let us know. Tag hashtag Strange Daily on Twitter, or reach out to me directly. I'm at Ben Bolin HSW on Twitter, or at Ben Bolin on Instagram. Thanks, as always, to our super producer, Dylan Fagan our research associate, Sam Teagarden, and most importantly, thanks to you. I'm Ben Bullen. We'll see you tomorrow. Until then, stay strange. Hi, this is Kurt Woodsmith. You remember me from such TV comedies as That 70s Show and That 90s Show on Netflix. I'll never forget the words that my grandfather said just before he kicked the bucket. He said, watch how far I can kick this bucket. People ask me where I get my dad jokes from. I tell them to listen to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast. Listen to Daily Dad Jokes every day on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, And me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. Hello, from Wonder Media Network, I'm Jenny Kaplan, host of Womanica 
daily podcast that introduces you to the fascinating lives of women history has forgotten. We've always been intrigued by stories of disappearances. Whether it's a fraudster from the 17th century who kept evading the authorities, or a novelist who taunted the Nazis and faked her own death, we all want to know, what happened next? To find out, listen to Womanica on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.